don't forget college people. <laughs> oh, hey guys. Uh, we're having the lunch tomorrow if you haven't signed up. We've got a sign-up sheet right over there. And if you want to cook, sign-up sheet is over there as well. And that will be tomorrow uh, right after lunch. So that's our home cooking college Sunday. Any other announcements? Conference coming up? Mini conference? Two weeks? There you have it. Um, all right. Well, let's see. We, Hannah, can we bring the lights up? Thank you. There it is. It's magic. Thank you, Hannah. Um, yeah. Well, happy Saturday night. I'm sorry that it has suddenly reverted back to February outside. I don't know what's going on with that, but I uh, appreciate you coming out in spite of, uh, in spite of the wintry uh, conditions. Uh, let's see. Raymond, can we go ahead and pull up Matthew 21? We're going to pretty much jump right in here. Of course, it's Palm Saturday. <laughs> Uh, tomorrow's Palm Sunday, and so we're really kicking off the uh, uh, the Easter week, Easter holiday, however you want to say it. So uh, we're going to read a few uh, scriptures right off here, and then we're going to get into get into a few things uh, tonight. So uh, let's let's look at this. It's Matthew twenty one, uh, starting with verse verse one. As they approached Jerusalem and came to uh, Beth Page uh, on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt buyer. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken through, uh, through the prophet. Uh, say to the daughter Zion, See your king uh, comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought a donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Uh, and this is where we get Palm Sunday, because they, you know, the, the idea is that these are uh, from palm trees, and so they cut cut these leaves out and put them on the road. The crowds that went, ahead of, uh, that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Um. I want to skip on. I want to get. I want to hit a couple of uh, events. So, so this starts the week off, heading up to uh, to the crucifixion and resurrection, and then you know during the following week, Jesus does a lot of uh, you know teaching and some and some really significant things that happened in the last week of his life. Uh, you know the the Last Supper and some other things. I want to hit a couple things that most of us are probably pretty familiar with. Uh, can we skip on to twenty six thirty one? Um, many of us have probably heard this story. This is when Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the disciples 
said the same. Uh, then skip down to 69. We're going to stay with the Peter uh, story here. Now, Peter, uh, this is after you know the arrest. Jesus has been arrested, and so it's all going down at this point. Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were there with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath, I don't know the man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. All right, and then one more thing, and then I'm going to uh, get into uh, get into what we're talking about tonight. Um, in in uh, chapter 27... So I'm not going to read the whole thing. This is uh, this is uh, Jesus before Pilate, and let's uh, th- let's skip on down to 19. All right, so this is uh, this is he's out in front of the whole crowd, and uh, this is the part where Pilate is uh, you know holding before them, you know, because Pilate, Pilate wants to, you know, he he recognizes, I guess, that Jesus hasn't actually done anything punishable by uh, by death. And so he's putting it on the crowd and letting them choose. And so he says, um, let's see, let's say verse, mm, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to skip down to 21. Uh, which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Uh, Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? asked Pilate, but they shouted all the, li- all the louder, crucify him. And then we see a little bit later on um, that there were actually very few of Jesus' following that were with him at the crucifixion. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute. So um, as I was preparing, the thing that really captivated me, uh, we're talking a little bit about, about Palm Sunday, but the, th- the thing that really captivated me was just this dramatic change of events just within the span of a few days, right? Just within a week, Jesus enters the city, and people are, you know, they're, they're laying things down on the road for him. He's getting this, literally, this king's welcome. Uh, you know, the, the people are receiving him uh, because they, you know, they're, they're recognizing him. You know, this is, this is the king. You know, this is the, the promised one, and so they're celebrating him. You know, yeah, go Jesus, you know. Hosanna, and so just, you know, showering all this praise upon him, and he gets this amazing reception. And from there, uh, we get, you know, to, to the point where he's arrested, where even his own disciples are falling away. Peter, all right, this is the guy who had so much faith in Jesus that he was the one that got out of the boat and walked out of the water. You know, he had that much faith in the Lord. He was the only one that did that, right? This guy, Mr. Faith, and he's disowning. He's disowning uh, Jesus. Uh, so, you know, it certainly has this, uh, this appearance that, man, the wheels are just falling off the whole, the whole thing. And where are all these people that were, you know, shouting Hosanna to the Lord? They, they're, not, they're not there. I mean, they're, well, I'm sorry. 
if they're there, they're being really quiet or they've completely changed their hearts. You know, when they're asking, who do you want me to release to you? It doesn't say, you know, some people were shouting for Barabbas, and G- but Jesus' following was saying, release Jesus. No mention of that. So where is this crowd that received Jesus so well just days earlier? And so what this stirred up in me, it raised a couple questions, which are, what causes us in the face of difficulty to turn away from the Lord? What are the things in our lives that can, that can take us from a place where we're heaping praise upon the Lord and trusting the Lord, giving the Lord our lives? What causes us to go from that place to either maybe just ignoring the Lord or to even the extreme example of Peter and just out, outright disowning the Lord? What causes us to go from that place to the other place? And we could probably come up with a, you know, a fairly extensive list, but there are two things that jump off the page uh, to me in this story. Uh, the first thing that jumps off the page is simply fear. Okay? And I think that's probably um, uh, one of the driving motivations for, for Peter. You know, he, you know, consider the context here. I mean, they've arrested Jesus, and so just by association, you know, if, if you know, he's probably in his heart thinking, well, they're, you know, if, or arrest me too. You know, whatever they're going to do to Jesus, they're probably going to try and do to me. So, uh, so there's probably just for him, just even this fear of you know physical, um, whatever you know, punishment or imprisonment or or something something of the kind. So fear uh, may have been you know the real driving force uh, for Peter, and that may have had something to do with you know with everyone else as well. You know, Th- think about also. You, I mentioned Jesus taught throughout that whole week. Maybe some of those people started dropping out, so to speak, throughout the week as Jesus was teaching. If you look at some of the things he taught in that last week, some of them are kind of hard things. He cleansed the temple. That happened that week, right? Um, he talked about the seven woes. I think that was in there in that last week. Uh, and so you can look at some of the things Jesus taught between his triumphant uh, entry and the crucifixion. And there were some pretty challenging things in there. And so for maybe some of them, there was this fear associated with counting the cost of following Jesus. We have to forgive people? What? I mean, I'm all for, you know, Jesus coming and, you know, being the king and all that, but man, I don't have to forgive people, right? We have to pray for the sick? There's a reason I'm healthy and they're sick. It's because I don't touch sick people. I don't want to lay my hands on the sick people and pray for the sick. We have to give to the poor. So maybe for some of these people, the fear is kind of associated with just the recognition of what it actually means to follow Jesus. Counting the cost and, and thinking, that's too much for me to pay. We can apply most of these things to us, right? For us, sometimes if we turn away from the Lord, maybe it's out of simple fear. If I really follow the Lord, what is that going to cost me? You know, sometimes, sometimes following the Lord might mean 
taking a job with less pay. I don't know. Sometimes. Certainly not all the time. Sometimes. Maybe sometimes following the Lord means putting a relationship in jeopardy. Maybe some of us have family relationships. Maybe we've been in dating relationships where somebody, you know, another person just doesn't want anything to do with the Lord and they don't want anything to do with you if you're going to have something to do with the Lord. And so sometimes following the Lord could cost you a relationship. Sometimes like Peter, maybe it'll cost you physically. You know, there's, you know, I know we have a lot of... uh, College students, not just college students, but just a lot of people in the community that are really bent towards missions, and some of you really might find yourself in a part of the world where people don't like it when you talk about Jesus. I have a friend, I have a friend that was literally beaten up because they were preaching Jesus. Yeah. So simple fear can drive us to a place sometimes where we turn away from the Lord. Of course, the truth is, if we really count the cost, it's always worth going after Jesus. So when I say count the cost, we, we think we're counting the cost. Uh, and we do the math and turn away from the Lord. That's actually not where I want to spend most of my time tonight. So that's, that's fear. But the one that, that really stood out to me uh, as a reason why sometimes we might turn away from the Lord is expectations that aren't met. Sometimes I think we get really disappointed or disillusioned because of expectations we've had that we feel like the Lord hasn't met. And that's the thing that I see in this story that really stands out. It's pretty commonly held, you know, belief that the, that the people in this time, you know, the followers of Jesus, okay? You know, the, think of the context, you know, the, the people, you know, Israel, they, they've had all the, you know, the oral tradition and they've heard all the, uh, you know, the, the prophecies and they're expecting the Messiah to come. But for most of them, what they're actually anticipating is a Messiah that's going to come and clean house, right? M- maybe some of them think of an actual, like, military coup type of, of kingship, you know, that's just, uh, you know, that's just the context that, the, that they've known. And so that's been kind of their expectation. And we even see that kind of come out sometimes, even with the disciples, even with the people that were close to Jesus. When, when Peter's getting, ar- I'm sorry, when Jesus is getting arrested, what's Peter's reaction? He takes a sword and lobs a guy's ear off. That's the kind of reaction you would expect. You know, this is, this is my king here, you know. can't arrest him. I'll, I'll fight you to the, to the death, right? And even, even at, the, uh, at the crucifixion, let me see. When Jesus is shouting um, to God, when he's saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The way the language is there, um, it sounds... It, it, it sounded to the people standing below like he was calling for, El- for Elijah. That's actually in uh, 27, 45 through uh, 47. And so what they were saying was, oh, he's calling for Elijah. Maybe Elijah's going to co- you know, come busting out of the sky and rescue him and you know, save the day. And you know, it's on with, our, on with you know, the, the plan. You know, the plan 
you know, remains intact, right? So even in those last moments, you know, there's still just kind of this expectation that, that Jesus is going to be, you know, this type of king. And so for me, I think that one of the reasons that, that so many of these people, these people that just, uh, you know, at the beginning of the week were saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and now they're nowhere to be found, I think what's happened is their, their world has, you know, kind of collapsed on them. They had this expectation, you know, this is the guy, this is the Messiah, and now he's arrested? What, he's going to be crucified? What, this isn't right, this, this isn't the guy, or, or maybe, maybe it was the guy, but we're just losing, you know? And so, so they give in to, you know, despair, and it's all because, you know, they had these particular expectations, and now their expectations have just crumbled. And where do you go? From there, when your expectations, everything that you're really pinning, pinning really your whole life on, and in this case, even pinning your afterlife on, and it's gone. Unmet expectations can lead us to a place where we turn away from the Lord. And that happens to us, right? Again, I mean, we could think of a million examples. I won't think of a million for you. But, but you know, how many of us have prayed for somebody with the expectation, you know what, the Lord's going to heal this person. And they didn't get better. Or maybe the financial provision you were waiting on didn't come through the way you had hoped or expected. Maybe a relationship you were praying for didn't make it. I mean, we've we've all had expectations that weren't met. Right? Am I the only one? We've all had expectations that, that weren't met. So... What? What's the answer then? You know. You know, we, we've had these expectations in the Lord. You know, we've we've been taught to have you know faith, and so we put the we put our trust in the Lord and we put these expectations in the Lord, and it doesn't work out the way we hope. And as a result, now we're you know kind of if if we're not shaking our fists at the Lord, we're at least you know maybe it's not that extreme. Maybe there's just you know maybe it's just kind of dry, and we're just just not having much to do with the Lord, you know, or whatever the effect happens to be, but our expectations haven't been met. So so the answer is to lower our expectations. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that is definitely not the answer. Um, it's really, really kind of the opposite. I mean, expectation is good, all right? Uh, we see this you know, uh, the connection between expectation and faith throughout Scripture. Expectation is a really good thing. How many times do we see in the New Testament, you know, where someone, you know, came to Jesus and he said, you know, your, your faith has, has made you well, right? And, and I actually gave a message on this about a year ago. I don't know exactly when it was on, on the different types of faith. And, 
And there's a spectrum there. You know, there's a, there's a kind of faith where you, you don't have much expectation of what's going to happen. You have no, no idea what's going to happen, but you have enough faith to take action. That's good. I think that, you know, I think that kind of faith honors the Lord. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's the kind of faith that you know beyond any shadow of a doubt you believe this is, this is going to happen. That's good, too. And I think you can look throughout Scripture and find the Lord responding to any points in between, right? Any point of expectation, you know, this marriage of hope and faith and belief and expectation where it all, all comes together. And it's good. It's good to have expectation. It's good to have hope. So the answer is not lower your expectations. I think what I see here or at least one, one answer I believe we can see in the people that were with Jesus. Let's look 27 verse uh, 55. Okay? Jesus has died. You know, the, you know, the, the ground's shaking, the veil's splitting, tombs are cracking open, all this, you know, craziness is going on. So this centurion, you know, John Wayne has his line. Right? Was it John Wayne in the in the movie? Was that who it was? Surely he was the son of God. Pilgrim. I think he added that. Surely this was the son of God. And then verse 55. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the Zebedee's son. So his Jesus' mother was there. Mary Magdalene was there. Uh, in other texts we see, I believe, John was there. So there were some people that were there. And the thing that stands out to me about these people were these were among the people that knew Jesus the best. John, you know, the loved, the one that was loved by Jesus and his mother. And we know, you know, Jesus, uh, Mary Magdalene was a you know dear follower of Jesus as well. And so I can't imagine that they expected this to happen, even though Jesus had foretold, you know, you know these things that were these things that were going to happen. Jesus had foretold these things. You still don't get a picture that they really had any grasp over it. Really, you know, I, I don't think that any of them really expected this to happen. Mary, Mary, John, and anyone else that happened to be there uh, at the crucifixion. I don't expect that this was supposed to happen. So what was different about them and the other people who had had their expectations dashed? I think for them, their expectations were anchored by the relationship that they had with Jesus. So if you want to ask me what I think the key is to avoid having a life where you're unmet expectations drive you away from Jesus? I think it's that we let our expectations spring out of a relationship with the Lord instead of having our expectations shape our relationship with the Lord. There's a lot of pitfalls when we get it out of order. Because who knows what's shaping our expectations? Maybe our expectations are being shaped by our earthly relationships, you know? 
we have a certain kind of relationship with our Father, so that relationship, you know, projects these expectations which carry over to our relationship with the Lord. Um, yeah, we have to let um, our relationship with the Lord be the anchor, and and then it uh, it in turn influences our expectations. I'll give you a uh, I'll give you a, a personal example. Um, gosh, looking around the room, I think all of you know, uh, and I've even mentioned it uh, teaching before. You know, our oldest daughter Bo has a has a uh, diagnosis uh, of high-functioning autism, right? And so we had a word, um, and we've had friends who have had words, but there was this one word in particular that we felt was from the Lord. We weren't 100% sure about the interpretation of the word, but it was along the lines of there, there was some significance about the number three and her healing. It was a word having to do with her healing because obviously we were praying for, for Bo to be, to be healed. And so we thought the interpretation was that either by the time she turned three or at the end of her third year, that that chapter of her life would be over, that she'd be healed, that that was was either going to happen like when she turned three or basically when she turned four at at the end of her third year, right? So that was our expectation, and we were praying expectantly that that would be the case. Bo's going to be five in June, which blows my mind. She's going to be five in June, and she has, honestly, she's had, you know, in, in, our, in our opinion, really some miraculous strides, okay? She, you know, the Lord's been really, really good. But the door hasn't been closed. She still has hurdles, okay? So, what does that mean for us? If, our expectations are not anchored in relationship, it could look like this. Jesus, what, what's the deal? You know? We prayed, prayed with expectation. We could ask, or we could doubt, does the Lord even care? You know? Is, is he even mindful of Bo? Is he mindful of us? Does he care? You know, what's the deal? Is it ever going to happen? We could say, you know, it must, this, this, is, this is going to be her lot. We'll just accept it. Throw in the towel. It didn't happen, right? We could get so frustrated, so disappointed, give in to despair, and really just shake our fists at the Lord and just walk away completely or maybe just just you know give in to some discouragement and just there could just be real distance between us and the Lord and so you can see all you know there there's a multitude of fruit that could come out of the kind of you know reaction uh, that that we could have in that situation that if if our relationship with the Lord is being based on whether or not our expectations are met, then that would be the kind of fruit that would happen from, you know, from, from you know, that, that healing not taking place. But, 
if our expectation is being anchored in relationship with the Lord, what that could look like is it's disappointing, certainly, you know, you had hope and expectation that this was going to happen in this time frame in this way. But I know Jesus. I know that he loves Bo. I know that he loves us. Seen it time and time again. I know that his heart is not for sickness of any kind, much less autism. I know that that wasn't his design. I know that he is working like crazy to reconcile the whole world. He's not for sickness. So I know that. I don't understand. There's a mystery. Sometimes the kingdom breaks in. Sometimes it doesn't. But I know that the Lord is for us. I know that he's for her. I know that he's for me and for Sarah, for Mary, for our whole family. So I don't understand it, and it's disappointing. But we don't give in to despair. We still have hope. We still have expectation. We're still encouraged to continue to fight you know, for, for our daughter. And that's the fruit of being in a position where your relationship with the Lord is the thing that's driving the bus. It gives you the ability to, to accept that, you know, that there's a mystery to the Lord. And that, you know, we're just, we're in, we're in a world and we're in a point in history where, you know, the, the kingdom of God is breaking in and we always have hope. We always have hope that it's going to. We always have hope that it's going to. And it's good to have expectations. It really is. But what we need is we need to cultivate a relationship with the Lord so that we know that He loves us and He's good for it, and, you know, that He's for us. And so when our expectations, whatever expectations we, we come up with, if they're not met, it doesn't shake our foundation because we know Him. So, you know, how do, how do you cultivate that, you know? Well, the good news is there's something that separates Jesus from any other, um, any other so-called God. For those of you on the audio archive, I just used air quotes when I said God. Um, there's something that separates him. You can learn a lot about Muhammad, Buddha, fill in the blank. You can learn a lot about them. You cannot get to know them. You can't because they're dead. And this is what we're celebrating, you know, this week. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus is not dead. If you look to your left or to your right, you'll see somebody sitting next to you, except for Stephen. Nobody's sitting next to Stephen. You look to your left or to your right, you see someone sitting next to you. And you may already know that person. If you don't know that person, the potential exists for you, if you so choose, to get to know the person sitting on your left or to your right. Because that person, unless I've bored them to death in the last 20 minutes, that person is alive. Right? 
Everybody in this room is alive. You can get to know any person in this room. If you go to the morgue, it's not going to be like that. You can't get to know someone that's dead. You can get to know someone that's alive. And Jesus is genuinely, actually alive. The potential is for us to actually get to know Jesus. So how do you do that? I don't know, any way you can. (laughs) You know? If you're like me and your days are like just ridiculously busy, then you, you you just have to fight for time and just be still and just try and hear his voice. Maybe, you know, just shut up for a little bit, you know? Maybe don't even pray for a little bit. Just be quiet and just try and listen, you know? Just try and get familiar with the Lord's voice. Experience the Lord however you can in community and worship. Certainly in His Word, but remember when you approach the Word, you know, it's living, you know? It's not just getting information out of a book. Experience the Lord. And as you get to know the Lord, then just go wild with your expectations. Because you've got an anchor that reminds you that the Lord loves you and He's for you. Some really good news here. Um, the good news is that even if you haven't been like the women and John, that in spite of their dashed expectations, in spite of that they were, you know, they were faithful and they were with Him the whole time, Even if you haven't been like that, there is really good news. And we see that in Peter. Peter was the rock that Jesus built his whole church upon. uh, Peter, the guy that denied, didn't just deny, he cursed. I don't know that guy, you know? He was adamant. This guy denied Jesus. And Jesus built the church on that guy. There's really good news is that if we've at any point in our life have turned from the Lord, denied the Lord, He is always, as long as there's breath in your body, blood in your veins, the Lord is always willing to take you right back in and set you back into you know your, your calling and into... He's more than happy to take you back. I mean, look at just look at some of the examples. We just finished a series on Samuel. Look at all the stupid stuff David did. I mean, how do you get away with that? Gosh, the Lord was good to David. He killed a guy. David killed a guy. And look what the Lord did with him. We just saw what Peter did. Moses Moses killed a guy. <laughs> I'm guessing none of you have killed anyone. All the, great ones. All the great ones. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe you haven't killed anybody. <laughs> All right. Let's back up. <laughs> that is not an endorsement. 
Man, Jesus will, he'll, he'll take you in. He'll take you back. So if you've given in to a little bit of discouragement or disappointment or even despair, the thing about Peter is that, you know, he lost, you know, he, he, he lost sight of, of the Lord for, a, for a, a moment. But he still had the kind of relationship that drew him back. So, yeah, the, the ideal is to have the kind of relationship with the Lord that, that it will enable you to push through, to stay in the face of difficulty. But, you know, relationship can also pull you back if you do. But either way, the key is to have a relationship. Some really good news. Um, this just blew my mind the other day, and it, it I just feel like I have to share it. No, it's not completely what we're talking about. I think it, I think it ties in, but it just underscores the the importance here of just coming back to the Lord and because he really does have a plan for us, and it's important. You know, that we just can't, we just can't stay in the, in the pain cave. We can't just keep throwing our pity parties. You know, oh, well, I've messed up. And, you know, I've denied the Lord, and I've turned away from the Lord. Look, the Lord wants you back. And listen, the Lord really is wanting to partner with us, you know? He really does want to use us. And this blew my mind. Sarah... Sarah shared this um, with me, and I've I've seen this verse, you know, this passage a million times. This never really stood out to me before, but in, I didn't give you this one. Sorry, Raymond, but it's Hebrews eleven. This is the the Hall of Fame, all right. Um, and it's mentioning all these people, you know, Abraham and just all these just real legends of the faith, okay. And it's talking about us being surrounded by, you know, this great cloud of witnesses, all right? In other words, these, these figures are watching us, which really blows my mind. The, it shouldn't be this way, but the truth is we get a little callous to the notion that Jesus is always with us and always watching us. It shouldn't be that way. We should be perpetually in awe of that. It should be both incredibly comforting and sobering all at the same time that Jesus is always with us, you know, God's always watching us, with us, near us. But I guess we don't think as much about, you know, these legends of the faith watching us. But what never, what never really struck me before is why they're watching us. <laughs> I mean, you know, you're with Jesus. What do you want to be looking at me for? Um, look at verse 39. All these people... They were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. All right, so if you look back over the stories, you know, they had all, all had these you know, promises, but, but in their earthly life, didn't receive these promises. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. What does that mean? To me, what that means is we're partnering with the Lord to fulfill the promises that he made to Abraham and to Moses and to all these people. And they're watching us, cheering for us, because we're the ones that are going to bring it home. That's a big deal. 
We get to be part of that. We get to be part of God's story. You know? So don't ever think God doesn't want you back. He wants you back. Because you have a role to play. I don't know. I look at it and I feel like, you know, a scoreless football game where the, you know, the offenses and defenses just beat the snot out of each other. And, you know, I'm the kicker that comes at the end and gets to decide the game. You know? I mean, these legends of faith, they've done all this work, and we get to come in at the end and have, a, have an impact on the end of the game. It's huge. So don't ever think that God doesn't want you back. We actually, legitimately, truthfully, play a significant role in the kingdom. But it all comes back to relationship. That's, uh, that's my word for tonight. So, uh, let me see, Ray, you got some, some ministry people? Okay. Go for it. respiratory. <laughs> yeah. Right. Sure. Yeah, if you have any needs, as always, feel free to, to stick around. I'm just going to ask the Lord's blessing. Adam, you got anything? You good? Um, I will say, uh, Adam's sister, Amanda, is uh, in labor. So let's be praying. Yeah, be praying for Eric and Amanda and baby uh, Phoenix, <laughs> mostly mostly Amanda. So we'll be praying for, for little baby Phoenix and a safe delivery. All right, well, let's pray. Lord, we love you. Lord, we just ask you to draw near. Lord, if we need to step back and just kind of reset the order of things in our lives, Lord, then just would you help us do that? Lord, we want to expect amazing things from you, but we want everything we do to spring from our relationship with you. So, Lord, we just ask, would you, would you just help us to know you? We just ask for your, just the revelation of your character, the truth about how you feel for us, how dramatically you love us. Would you just speak that over us even now, Lord? Just reveal how you love us. Lord, we know in our heads the truth is you're so good that we should just love you, but but we're just so imperfect. And it's just hard sometimes to do that until we grasp how much you actually love us. 
So, Lord, sometimes we really just need the revelation of, of the fact that you love us so that we can love you back. that, Lord, we say we love you, we bless your name, it's in your name we pray, amen. You all are dismissed, be blessed, and if you have need, again, feel free to stick around, otherwise, be safe and be warm.